Welcome to the Noble Eight Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today a number of changes have been made with Noble Eight Simulation recently, and this is almost exclusively due to Bob Mottram. So the typical format would be to do a walkthrough with Bob Mottram, but today I've decided that probably I can give something of a walkthrough with the hope that I will be able to touch on a number of the things that are new and in the simulation. And I wanted to start by talking about the social graph, which is really something that I've been working on with the view that the social simulation needs a graphical representation. And the idea of the social graph is almost like a particle simulation, if you can imagine a two-dimensional particle simulation, where the individual apes are particles in the simulation, and their interaction with other apes either draws them to or attracts them from these other ape-represented particles. So rather than having a spatial representation of where the apes exist in space, you actually have a kind of floating representation of the various social networks that the apes form. And the thing that it struck me as interesting initially is that when disputes evolve between various tribes of apes, various apes are kind of ejected at quite a great velocity from the social group that they were part of previously. And then other apes have to kind of pick and choose. And you get these beautiful kind of clusters forming where what was once a coherent society kind of breaks in part. Typically, a, a radical ape is ejected initially, and then a few apes kind of straggle along, and really they form a new tribe. And you get this beautiful graphical representation of the new tribe being formed versus perhaps what, well, you probably see it in a physical representation as well. But um, certainly as a way of just cutting through a lot of the social graph interaction, this is really quite critical. And I think it's a it's a beautiful way of doing it. Now, in terms of the actual integration of it, I currently have a GPI, which stands for Generic Platform Interface version, which enables me to do uh, compilations on Mac, Windows, and Linux and just experiment with this. There are certain aspects of it particularly associated with kind of mass ejection, which isn't particularly aesthetically pleasing currently. There needs to be some kind of weighting and rescaling associated with these uh, social graphs as they move around. But it is a pretty interesting way of getting to terms with what's actually happening with the noble apes on a kind of social level. And I think it's going to be something that I'll continue to develop. And I guess we'll probably go in an additional window. Now, folks may remember a long history associated with the various versions of the noble ape simulation. And the um, kind of poor stepchild of the simulation has been the Linux version, the Linux graphical version uh, versus the command line version. And what I've maintained up until now has been a relatively simple uh, Linux version, which in large part was due to the early work of Pedro Ferreira. Bob, very thankfully, has picked up the graphics version of, uh, well, the graphics Linux version, and now has produced just a, a amazing uh, both Fedora and uh, Ubuntu installer, Debian uh, package installer. And really, it uh, it makes releasing the simulation very easy on Linux. Uh, obviously, I need a, uh, an Ubuntu system in particular to do the release properly. However, they seem to be um, relatively easy to come by. I have access to uh, various Ubuntu machines, and the process is so simple in terms of creating the uh, Debian package that, um, yeah, it's the kind of thing where I think probably the, the Linux releases will be done in parallel now with the Mac and Windows releases. In fact, really the difficulty now is actually finding a, a Windows machine because my wife has converted over to uh, Mac, so 
we we will pretty well be a Mac and Linux house uh, going into the future. I'm going to probably have to maintain some kind of Windows system so I can do Windows builds of the simulation. Other feedback that I've received recently, uh, a fellow by the name of Chris McIntosh has been maintaining a Windows 7 version of the simulation. I've not tested on Windows 7, uh, but that in and of itself will be very interesting. So that's the uh, that's the general discussion associated with what's been going on with the low lap simulation. But the really interesting stuff that's gone on recently is this idea of language. And uh, Bob Ottram has a particular implementation of language through something which is very similar to, if not identical to, Red Code, which folks will remember from Core Wars, uh, which was a, a kind of fixed-based memory, uh, long-term programs evolving, eating each other, um, you know, these kind of things. Well, not, not so heavily on evolution, but mainly associated with survival of the fittest, or at least... Um, perhaps survival of the most brutal. Bob has um, combined these ideas together with the existing noble ape cognitive simulation and also the notion of communication. So these programs are run in a kind of communicative sense and this creates some relatively interesting results initially. I, I must confess, I, it's not that I was slightly sceptical, I just thought that red code itself probably wouldn't be enough to do the stuff that Bob wanted to do. Uh, but with a few minor tweaks, he's actually been quite successful in getting the kind of results out that he needs in order to explain some of these language interactions. What interests me, particularly because there are kind of movement interactions and other things, is whether the various noble ape tribes will develop things like social dancing and things like that. I think there's a, a lot of potential there. Two-pronged concerns, which I think are relatively easily, easily resolved. The first is that a large part of the Red Code implementation is very similar to ApeScript. And ApeScript has the benefit of real-time debugging. Truth be told, the Red Code also has uh, an output. But it is not quite as easily humanly readable as the ApeScript debugging output. My thought is to expand ApeScript a little to allow for uh, the components that are used in, in Red Code and also to expand the debugging. Now, ApeScript exists in two forms. It exists firstly in the like text-based script, which is then parsed and created into a, an interpretable bytecode, which is then um, fed into the ApeScript interpreter. And the interpretable bytecode is very similar it has a, a large memory space, but aside from that, it's very similar to Red Code. There are, I think, maybe four or five different additional instructions that would need to be added to ApeScript and potentially maybe a subscript of ApeScript uh, for the Red Code-like uh, implementation. But in terms of the actual interaction with both external apes, ideas of external apes, and also aspects of the social graph and other things, all that is there with ApeScript with the advantage of actually having this very rich debugging output. So I guess my sense is that in the medium term, this will be converted from the red code implementation, what's currently called brain code, into ApeScript. And that is a project which is you know, taking shape in my own mind, but will probably be a kind of critical weekend implementation. In addition to this, actually getting the Linux GUI version back at forefront of my mind has identified a, a couple of issues uh, which are relatively easily resolvable. In fact, truth be told, if I wasn't recording a podcast currently, I'd probably be fixing those issues. But just limited issues associated with the menus, it's still set up for the old four windows. The mouse clicks uh, don't work through uh, the map interface in particular. Uh, but I think all these things are doable. All these things are fixable. And it's certainly something that really will probably take 
well, you know, less than half a day's worth of work uh, to get up and running. But the amazing ability just to see this all, and particularly the uh, compatibility stuff, uh, be handled very swiftly uh, in a Debian package install is just amazing. And really, a lot of the uh, hair pulling and various other things that I had trying to get these installations actually working, Bob Mottram has, has been able to resolve relatively rapidly, I mean, in the space of probably less than a week. Um, so hats off to Bob Mottram uh, because he's just doing some amazing work currently. I'm, I'm kind of gathering together a Noble 8 care package, which is what I do for folks that do uh, extensive development with Noble 8. I kind of generate stuff together together. Uh, create a box and just send it off to them. And I think Bob certainly owed one of those currently. Anyway, this has been an a impromptu ape reality. I'm going to start recording these more and more uh, with my new laptop, just using my iPhone headphones and uh, getting the audio out there because I think, uh, you know, folks clearly listen to ape reality and clearly like to hear the updates. And there's certainly a lot going on currently. If you go to the nobleape.com slash sim uh, page, you will actually see a graphical representation of the amount of source code that's changing and the general day-to-day development of Noble Ape as it goes through the subversion repository. We've also created a uh, launchpad site which mirrors what's going on in subversion but will be used for uh, the Debian and other uh, Linux distribution installations uh, which will be very exciting when it gets off the ground. My understanding is just by doing what we're doing currently these things will be picked up almost passively. This was just a description of one artificial life developer I think Bob Winkelsman who does the uh, crediting development told me uh, that this would be the case. Thank you very much for tuning into this Ape Reality. Like I've been saying with the previous Ape Realities, I really like getting listener questions because it gives me a kind of format to uh, actually create these podcasts. Otherwise, I'm pretty well freewheeling through whatever's going on currently or whatever's um, happening uh, in my own thinking. And yeah, currently my my life is pretty time-consuming in terms of actually putting out podcasts. I have a podcast, obviously, with Heron Stone and also the Biot Lives. I refloated Biot Live briefly. The second monologue was getting a little tiring, but I am starting to get folks who are interested in uh, in doing interviews again. So I think probably the Biot podcast will, stick, will, will return in kind of semi-frequent force. Obviously, uh, Model Rail Radio is my, my flagship podcast. I can't escape from that. There are just too many listeners. Um, so Model Rail Radio is certainly not going anywhere. Obviously, CWF Gamecast, similarly. I'm having a lot of fun with that, actually. It's funny because I've never really thought of myself as a kind of role-playing game or wargaming geek, but they've been very welcoming to me, those folk. <laughs> There's a kind of amazing vein between artificial life, uh, wargaming, and uh, model rail, and I guess I'm exploiting that in some quite perverse way. If you want to get in contact, tom at nobleape.com. I'm also obviously on Facebook and uh, Twitter, although I keep my Twitter feed private just because I don't like the constant search engine grabbing. But yeah, certainly uh, hit me up on Facebook, uh, drop me an email, tom at nobleape.com. Let me know what's on your mind. The original manuals for Noble Ape have come out on Lulu. I'm waiting for them to arrive on Amazon. I should actually put this out. They're considerably cheaper than they were previously, and the electronic version is just a real steal. So if you go to lulu.com and type that into the front page, you will have two options. And the two options are the paperback version, which is actually a really nice paperback, for $7.64. It's just astonishing how cheaply you can get those out there. And I think that's 15% off. Or the real steal, if you're a digital book person, is just $2.99. And that's 40% off. And yeah, both of those are available from lulu.com. This is the uh, US language edit. I think it's been pretty heavily cleaned up. The view is that it will be 
slipped in with probably the biotranscripts as they sent out to some academics who are interested in early artificial life development and getting their students interested in artificial life. And the original manuals really are a um, testament, I guess, to my experiences, my experiences early on developing artificial life. It's made me want to actually write more, uh, more contemporary stuff associated with that, particularly because of this format. I mean, obviously with open source and what have you, I put a lot of stuff out there free. You know, there are still bibliophiles, there are still people like e-readers, these kind of things. This has been a, a useful uh, mechanism uh, to get information out there. And I think it's a pretty nice edit, actually, the original manuals. The last one was on Cafe Press. That was, I think, $15. It wasn't quite as sleek, it wasn't quite as uh, edited and formatted uh, as this copy of the original manuals. And obviously this copy is less than half the price. In fact, a small fraction of the price in electronic form. LULU.com, the original manuals of Noble Ape. If you type that into the search, you will get the uh, the two options, either digital download or paperback. And my understanding is it should be appearing on Amazon in the near future. And I think it'll probably be for the higher prices on Amazon, unfortunately. So your best bet is really going to Lulu and, uh, and pick up a copy now. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.